Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Buying a house at 26 versus buying a house at 27 probably long-term isn't going to make a big difference. Hello, and welcome to the Financials Podcast, Future Rich. I am your host, Barbara Ginty, and I am a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. And thank you for tuning in to our podcast about personal finance. I am here with my guest today, Daisy. Hi, Daisy. Hi, Barbara. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. (laughs) Yeah, me too. And I'm sorry, we were having some technical difficulties. I feel like it's a typical Monday in my world, so... I'm glad that we're both on the on the system and it's working. Yeah, definitely. No more technical difficulties today, hopefully. Yeah, f- fingers crossed. So Daisy, um, I'm looking at a very lovely spreadsheet. I feel like if you've listened to the podcast, you know, I really appreciate a good Excel spreadsheet. Um, so but why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, how old you are, what you make, what you do, all that jazz. Sure. So I'm 25. Um, I live in Northwestern Pennsylvania. Um, So a little bit different than maybe some of the guests. I feel like there's a lot of guests from New York uh, where you're based or used to be based maybe. (laughs) I make roughly $50,000 a year. That's my salary, Um, but I am salaried non-exempt, which means if I work overtime, I get paid time and a half, which is nice. That's great. Um, I'm single. And I just recently um, moved back in with my parents due to some changes in my job status and, um, you know, the pandemic and everything else going on. (laughs) Just that, just the global pandemic. (laughs) Typical. Um, Very nice. I actually went to school in Pennsylvania. I went to Scranton. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I lived in Pennsylvania for four years. It's uh, very cold here this morning, Um, so you probably experienced that while you were in Scranton. It is. Oh, yes. And lots of snow. What was it? We had lots of snow. 
Yes, yeah. So the snow kind of melted a little bit over the weekend, but we hit uh, one degree Fahrenheit this morning on the way into work. So. Oh man, that is cold. That is real cold. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so we. Sorry, the wind doesn't pick up. (laughs) Yeah, seriously, it's definitely an indoor day. Um, and so what do you do for work? Oh yeah, sorry, I did leave that important detail out, didn't (laughs) I? Um. So my title is administrator, um, so kind of think administrative assistant, but okay. the way that my manager thinks about my role is maybe a little different than a traditional kind of view of an admin. Okay. Um, so I've been given a good amount of responsibility. Um, I work in, in a manufacturing plant and I am pretty much owning all of our safety programs, uh, making sure we're staying compliant, um, and really helping drive some improvements, um, process improvements, and also just like digitalization and kind of modernizations within the plant. Um, And obviously also, you know, payroll and general just basic HR functions and stuff like that. Oh, wow. So you have a full plate. That sounds like a lot of different responsibilities. It's been keeping me pretty busy. Um, We just we're going through a process um, of like reviewing our safety programs. And so I just wrapped up writing that report and it's like 30 pages long. And it took me like, I think two to three weeks I've been working on it, you know, on and off. Um, So I'm excited to be done with that so I can focus on getting caught up to speed on everything else, you know, seeing where we're at as far as compliance and what we can do to improve things. So yeah, it's a good bit. It keeps me busy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and you get to do and you get to do different things. This doesn't sound monotonous. Mm-hmm. You get to do all different areas of the business. It's a good use of my my former experience in my last role and kind of what where my interests lie long term. Um, I'm getting some more exposure to like financials, um, and I'm working on learning some more like in Excel to help with building like dashboards and things like that. Oh, neat! Very neat. Well, you did a good job on your um, Excel spreadsheet. So, (laughs) yeah, so why don't we give, so I have a, I have have a bunch of questions, but let's start out so everybody can kind of see, or at least uh, see what I'm seeing. Um, So you're, you've done a really good job saving up uh, cash. So um, on your spreadsheet, it looks like you have uh, 22,000 in cash between, and that's between your checking and savings. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. So last year I was really focused on, you know, fully funding my emergency fund. Um, and I hit that late, like in fall of 2020, I think is when I hit my fully funded amount that I was targeting of 12 grand. Um, so that's like somewhere between six to nine months of expenses, depending on, you know, how much I would cut back and how much I could cut expenses. You know, I mentioned I moved back home with my parents. So obviously I'm blessed to have a support system that I can kind of lean, lean on when I need to. Um, so maybe that's a high amount for, you know, other folks, but 12 grand makes me, you know, comfortable as far as, you know, having options if I need to leave a position that's not serving me or, you know, just need to make some different moves. I'm a big fan of having cash. I would say I err on the side of being overly cautious with telling people how much cash to have. 
Um, so I think that's fantastic. I do have a question though. Mm -hmm. So in your savings, it says 16,000, but you reference that your emergency fund for what your budget is, is 12. Yep. So what's the excess in there? So that's like my accumulated sinking funds. So I'm saving for different things. My two of my best friends just got engaged last year. Um, I'm going to be the maid of honor. So I'm, I'm saving up some extra cash just to have handy. They're not trying to go crazy as far as the budget goes, but I want to be prepared <laughs> if something comes up. Um, and, um, you know, long-term, I have a good car. It's got low mileage for now, but um, I want to be able to pay cash or have a very small loan when I do need to replace it. So just saving towards those bigger goals that are, you know, coming up down the road. I tried, I'm trying to like really, um, you know, contribute small amounts monthly towards these bigger long-term goals so that I'm not like scrambling for cash or having to drain my emergency fund for something that really realistically I could be planning for. Yeah, no, I think that's fantastic. Cause I think what happens to most people is they don't plan that out. And then they either take a bigger car loan yeah. or, you know, there's the wedding comes up and they put it on a credit card. And so I think you're way better off doing small bites in advance so that you have that money when you need it, when that comes up, because you know, it's going to happen, right? We know yeah. it's going to happen in the future. So you might as well start saving for it. That's kind of what I thought, but I was, I wasn't sure. Yeah. Okay. So then the, your savings is your emergency fund and then the other monies that you, for those, the sinking fund for the goals for the wedding and to save up for a new car um, and your graduation gift for your brother. Okay, yeah. Great. And then I like, I like that. I'm all about future planning the whole concept. Um, and then it seems like you've done a good job. You have um, just a smidge under 20,000 in your 401k and just a smidge under 4,000 in your Roth IRA, which is, which is great. So you're at 23,000, oh, almost 24,000 between your 401k and your Roth for retirement savings, which is, that's a really good amount, right? Because your salary is 50,000. So you all have almost 50% of your salary saved up for retirement at 25. Yeah. Oh, it sounds That's so much it. better That's when you good. phrase it like that. I worry about, <laughs> you know, not having enough, um, that I'm not doing enough for retirement. So there's like <laughs> a rule of thumb and like, it's all about like when you want to retire, what your budget, you know, what your, your budget really plays like a huge factor into it. But I think that's a, I think that's a great number to have. If you look at it from that perspective, right, you have almost 50% of your salary, basically 50% of your salary saved up at 25. So I think, and that's just for retirement. You have almost another 50% just in cash yeah. for other goals. So I, I, I think that's fantastic. And then we have some student loans. Duh, duh, duh. We hate the student. I hate the student loans. I hate their interest yeah. rates first. Yeah. Off. Yeah. Interesting. Like, I mean, me. I feel like mine, mine could be a lot worse. I feel like they're fairly reasonable. I just refinanced my private loan last okay. summer when rates started going down with COVID. Um, it was above four for the private and I got it down to below got four. It percent so I'm pretty yes it's a large amount but like I'm pretty comfortable with it where it is right now um because my monthly payment is only um you know 250 a month okay so it looks like the total for the student loans is just a smidge under 56,000 with your private loan being your largest um loan at approximately 23,000 and that's the one you just refinanced. So you got that underneath uh, 4%. And then that payment's uh, $250 a month. Yep. Yep. Okay. And then the rest are all the Fed loans. 
So you have yeah, six the rest- of those in various increments. Yeah. Um, I think the like average interest rate ends up being close to like uh, 3.75 or something. Yeah. Um, that looks about right. Those are all in forbearance right now. Yes. So. Until October. Yep. Which is great. And then, but your regular payment for student loans prior to forbearance is just about $200 a month, 208. Yeah. Um, I am on like an income based repayment plan. Okay. I didn't used to be, I was on like a pretty standard plan, uh, before 2020 and okay. like about a year ago or so I changed into the income base because it was starting to get a little tight, like tighter than I was comfortable yeah. with. Yeah. So, so what, do you know which one you're, which one income based you're on? Cause there's a couple. Yeah. I should have looked that up. Huh? That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> um, no, it's just, I think it's like a 20 year the, income base. The 20 year. Okay. Maybe. Yep. There's I think so. Okay. So income based. And then what's the interest free loan on your budget? So that was from my school. Yeah. There was a program that my university did where alumni would contribute money to uh, help students in the business school. So I had, I got two degrees in school um, and I was in the business school for one of my degrees in supply chain management. What degrees did you get? English writing um, and then supply chain management. So I was a poetry major and a supply chain management major. Oh my God. That's, those are very different. They are very different. Um, Yeah. But so there was a program where you could get an interest-free loan towards a portion of your tuition. If you, you know, wrote an essay and uh, thanked the, those who donated and um, I, I was able to get that. So. Oh, that's fantastic. That's a, that's a great program. I haven't heard of that before. Yeah, it was really nice. Right. Obviously, like I, I just have to pay a set amount every every month, and it's not bad. No, that's not bad at all. Because what kills you on the the loans is the interest rates, right? Because like yeah. the bank is paying basically zero, and even though an interest rate, you know, under four is a good rate, it's still if you're not making if you're not hitting the interest with the loans, they'll. I don't know how your private loan is structured. Hopefully they're not doing interest capitalization. Hopefully it's just a structured payment kind of amortized like a mortgage. But I do no, know some of the, it, yeah, the other loans. For the private, it's, it's, it is. Yeah, it's not, Um, it's like whatever the second one you said, the one that you wanted it to be. It's amortized. Yeah. Yeah, where they basically say, okay, here's the money. Here's your interest rate. This is what you're going to pay. And then did they tell me, did they tell you for the private loan how many years to pay? Is it 15? Yeah, I, uh. Yeah, I did the fifteen year. Teen. Okay, perfect. That's yeah. perfect. Because I was in a, I was in a ten year, and then I pushed it out to fifteen to get the payments down lower, in addition to like lowering the interest. Yep, but perfect. Okay, so that's great because that works just like a mortgage. So it's not like you're going to get to year fifteen and they're like, oh, sorry, it's actually five more years, which is what happens with some of the federal loans if you're not careful, if you're not paying all the interest on them. I hate that. I know. I know. Okay, good. So the the private loans under control, the interest free loan sounds fantastic because there's no interest on it. Um, so the federal loans, you have a little bit of a window of opportunity. We'll so we'll chat about about whether or not we should do, take advantage of the student loan for, I mean, forbearance. Yeah. So they're not charging any interest right now until October. And then um, probably should just look at what what program you're in for the income based repo, uh, repayment program that you you are in. Just see which one. Because there are a couple, okay. um, so it looks like your in, your income coming in is 
3100 a month. Your expenses, so car insurance, cell phone. I love that you put in digital subscriptions, uh, gas, groceries, your um, sinking funds or your, you know, your goal mm-hmm. savings, um, the new apartment um, running, and then concerts. So all of your expenses come to, I'm just going to use round yeah, numbers so it's easier for people listening, come to, come to about $1,500 a month. And then we need um, about 500 a month, a little over. Um, for your student loan, you know, interest-free loan, private loan, and, and federal student loans. And then we have a nice little, and this is one of my biggest questions I have starred. Uh, we have a nice little section for a house down payment, which you have about 1200 So it kind of brings us a little bit over budget mm-hmm. for your income. We're short a little. So what is, so in here, you said you want to do a house hack. So this is like, I, what is a house hack? Um, so Context for the listeners, I'm like very interested in the concept of like financial independence and not necessarily retiring earlier, but like just having the freedom to make those decisions, um, which you can kind of get from all the cash that I keep on hand. It's like part of that's just having the option to do things, you know, that I want to do. So a house hack would be a couple of examples would be like, uh, I, I know a girl who lives in Arizona and she just bought a house and she's renting out two of her spare bedrooms to other folks like in the area. So she she has roommates, but it's her house and they're paying her rent money and it goes towards her mortgage. So it's like she doesn't really, you know, she's encouraged incurring a much lower cost or like no cost depending on expenses. Mm-hmm. Cost. Yeah. Um, I am a I, I have to do some more research. I'm still kind of like not sure which path I want to go, but I'm really interested in like a duplex. So there would be a unit that would be mine and then like another unit that I could rent out. So, um, you know, you think of like a duplex or a fourplex where there's multiple units in a structure. And so I would want to live in one of those and then rent out the other ones. I, you know, I'm a huge fan of this and some people are more scrappy when it comes to their finances and all are willing to do. because. The way to think about it is you're making a shorter term sacrifice for a longer term goal, right? So you're giving up the ability to live alone and, you know, not have to share a kitchen or share a bathroom or what have you, or have roommates longer, essentially to get to leapfrog on a financial goal is the way I look at it. Yeah. And, you know, not everyone is willing to do that. There are definitely a lot of people out there that are like, well, I don't want to have roommates. Like, I don't want to deal with the roommate situation because sometimes it's it can be work, right? Especially when you own the house, if there's a problem and you're the owner of the house, yeah. like you're the one who has to you fix have it. To, you have to sell it. You are the one who has to fix it. You know, and you have to, you know, have lease. Usually you would have lease agreements with your roommates, right? Because you're the owner. So like, here are the rules, right? Like mm-hmm. don't flush paper towels down my toilet because it's expensive. But I think that it's a fantastic way to get ahead financially. And I'm a huge fan of making those shorter term, in my mind, small sacrifices mm-hmm to get to a greater financial situation. I kind of thought that was what you meant with yeah. house hack, but I was like, maybe there's something else I don't know about. No. Um, so I wanted to check. So I think that's a, I think that's a fantastic idea. So um, it also gets you in a house sooner yep. because then the whole financial responsibility isn't on you. Yep. You know, you're going to bring in income. Yeah. Yeah. I want to have a significant enough down payment um to really make a dent in it like you can take advantage of like fha loans and stuff like that but i really would prefer i'm more comfortable with the conservative approach and having more money down on it and then you know if something happens where i don't have you know 
roommates for a month or two, it's not like the end of the world. Like I'm not dipping into my savings to have to pay towards the mortgage. You know, like I want to keep everything pretty reasonable. Um, The biggest, my biggest concern actually is less with like being a homeowner and more with like, I've lived alone for the past five, uh, five, uh, five years of my (laughs) life. Um, I've always had studios or like lived by myself. So um, moving back in with my family, as much as I love them, has has been interesting because I'm so used to just having all this space to myself. Um, <laughs> so that's been interesting. And then, you know, the idea of a house hack would would automatically mean like being in contact with other people more than I'm yeah. typically used to. So <laughs> right. um, it'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Absolutely. And I can 100% relate to that. Um I have a property in upstate New York that I have my office in, and then I rent out the upstairs, which most people were like, why don't you just live in it? I'm like, well, because I want to get ahead financially. Um, and so I stay at my parents' house in a twin bed from my childhood, and I'm always just joking with people. I'm like, yeah, it's like every mid-30-year-old's dream to sleep in a twin bed at their parents' condo. <laughs> but I mean, it's not that I don't have an apartment. I do. I have it rented. It pays my mortgage. Right. Um, and at some point, you know, Obviously, if I were to get married and have kids, it would be a little trickier to do all these little hacks, yeah. you know, where I'm saving all this money. So I'm trying to take advantage of it for as long as possible. But yeah, sometimes my parents drive me crazy. I'm like, I'm just, I'm a guest. Like, I'm just <laughs> temporarily here. This is not permanent. It's not like I live in your basement. Like, I have money. I just am choosing to be I'm choosing to do this. And yeah. <laughs> Um, she, this is a choice. I have to remind them sometimes. I'm like, this, mom, this is a choice. She's like, I don't want your shoes by the front door. She also didn't want me to have any clothes in the condo. So she told me I had to move my clothes to the office. I was like, I can't just like get dressed and showered at the office. She's like, yes, you can. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Like, what if a client came to the office and I'm like running late and like in a towel? I was like, no, we can't do that, mom. You have to give me a closet, please. I'll pay for it. So I'm a big fan. My parents have been very, very cool about me being back home. They've been very supportive about it. Um, it's just, it's, I'm used to just spending so much time alone. Yeah, so it's different. It's it's interesting. It's definitely different. So yeah, when you, okay, so why don't we go over kind of what the cost looks like? Um, so you're saving for the down payment and what, um, in your area of Pennsylvania, what is it, like, have you looked at a two family? So like a, a duplex, those types of properties? Yeah, I need to do some more research, um, but I think probably what I'm looking for, just mm-hmm. based on like quick Zillow searches, you know, is probably in somewhere in the range of like two hundred thousand to like two fifty is probably around what I'm looking for because I don't want I'm I'm not very handy. I don't mm-hmm. want to bite off more than I can chew and get like a fixer upper that's going to require a whole lot of work. Um, so I think that that range would probably get me closest to what I'm looking for. Um, being a homeowner, I would, if you're not mm-hmm. handy, I would say do not do a fixer upper. Um, I kind of thought not being handy, I could still figure it out, but I would err on the side of caution there. Um, so I think that's smart. And then, so, and that would get you either a two family or a duplex that, that price range approximately. Like, I think it could, it would really depend on the neighborhood. Okay. Um, but there was one particular property that I was really interested in. Like I don't have the money for it right now, but it was on the market um, at the beginning of this year. And that was the price range. I think it sold for a little, I think it was around like 225 was what it sold for. And that would have been a property that I would have been interested in for me. 
Perfect. Well, I think that that is because, oh, so I have one other question. What were you paying for rent before you moved back in with your parents to, and you moved in to say, help save money, right? Um, or it's a long story. story. Um, so I'll tell it, I'll tell it quickly. Um, the, the sprint to build up my emergency savings was not an accident. Um, I was very unhappy at my last position and, um, I needed to get out. Uh, my boss is harassing me, oh, so gosh. I left. Um, so yes, it was partially to save money, but it was also because um, I I quit my job. I was not fired. I chose to leave, and I was unemployed um, for the holidays last year. Um, I found a new job pretty quickly, faster than I thought I would. Um, but that was why I moved home, um, and also the timing of my lease at my old apartment. Um, that lease just ended at the beginning of this month. So um, I didn't want to move into another apartment right away because I'm hoping to move in with the friends that I mentioned who are getting married. Um, they're not getting married for a couple of years because of COVID and timing and saving for a wedding. Um, so we are going to all move in together um, into a new apartment this summer is the plan. Okay. And then your plan is to keep saving and then hopefully buy a home once you have the down payment saved. Yes. Yeah, that's the plan. Okay. So looking at if the home price was $250,000 and um, for all those of you listening in our future rich class, which you can find at www.planancial.com, I give a home buying example. So, and I think I actually use this around this number. So for 250, if you put 50,000 down, would you which is what would be the 20%, which is a pretty big number. So maybe you don't end up doing that whole amount or you go for a lower price point, 200, right? It lowers your down payment a bit. Mm -hmm. But if we're just using the 250 example, so you home price is 250, you put $50,000 down, um, your mortgage payment at a three and a half interest rate for 30 year would be just under $900. And then you'd have taxes, fees mm -hmm. and home insurance. So it would bring your payment to... Um, depending on what tax taxes is a big gamble, a big gamble. You really have to look in the area and see what your taxes mm -hmm. are. Um, I think if you listen to the episode with Natasha, um, her big issue wasn't the, affording the mortgage; it was affording the taxes. The taxes in the area she was buying were, yeah. I think, as much as the mortgage, which made it really hard. She couldn't buy very much house because of the tax bill. So you definitely want to research the taxes a low tax area is ideal it gets you more house um but so then we'll just say that your payment then runs uh we'll just round it up to 1200 a month um and then that's without utilities mm -hmm. right or any sort of maintenance but if that gets you yep. a duplex um or two mm -hmm. or two family and and those for listening it just depends on the area how it's structured a duplex could be um, two separate entrances, a, a two family could be one entrance, but two apartments, essentially, like the downstairs of the house is one unit, the upstairs of the house is another, it just a, depends on the area and kind of the building style. But if you let's say you're all in for the mortgage and everything at 1200, we'll say, it depends on the property you look at, right? Sometimes they separate out utilities, and sometimes they don't. So that's, mm -hmm. that's another thing to look at. Um, you know, are there two furnaces, two hot water heaters, right? Because then they have to pay their own utilities and you're not managing how much they're using of the joint utilities. I have two situations, one where it's separate utilities and one where it's not. So then you just look at 
whether it's a two family or a duplex, what if you're, let's say you're all in cost with utilities and maintenance comes to, I don't know, 1400, we'll give you another $200 towards the other stuff, but you can rent one of those for a thousand, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then your cost goes to 400. Yeah. And um, yeah, my thing too, with like evaluating, you know, what kind of property I want to have would be dependent, you know, on the going rate of, of the unit, like roughly yeah. how much am I going to be able to get for it? But also thinking about like, if I was charging myself rent, you know, how much of a return would that be on the property and evaluating it? Not like, obviously I'm not going to be paying myself rent. That's not the (laughs) point of getting the house hacked, but like to evaluate what would be a good investment property, because it's less about finding something that is going to fit my personal preference outside of, you know, there's a couple things that I probably don't want to compromise on, but it's really about like, even after I move out of this house, like, is this going to be able to generate enough money to make it worthwhile? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a good way. I think you're going at it at the right attitude is not being like, well, this is my, I need this to be my dream house. This is a stepping stone for you to get to the next stage financially. And so, and then the other thing I would look at um, is if God forbid you had a month or two months with vacancy where, you know, someone moved out and hadn't moved in and whether you do it, like whether it's a two family versus a duplex, or even if you end up just buying a normal home because it's cheaper and you just take roommates, you just have to weigh the the Mm -hmm. pros and cons of those various situations. And then I would look at your worst case scenario in those situations. So where are you going to be the most comfortable financially? Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. What you can swing financially if you don't have the income. Yeah. I, I definitely don't want to, completely you know deplete my savings to put a down payment on a house because i i want to have that emergent i i don't want my emergency fund and then i want the house's emergency fund yes Um, perfect so that yes saving enough enough money to cover that when i'm thinking you know i'm looking at an area where like two hundred thousand is probably going to get me closest 200 to 250 is going to get me close to what I want is like, that's a lot of money that starts to become a lot of money very quickly. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, I don't think there's anything wrong because if you, what you're essentially looking at doing is keeping your emergency fund and not depleting it. So if you're ending up saving and are you going to be able to save this amount of money? Like even if you did a thousand dollars a month, which would make your budget not be, you know, you could, make all the payments. If you were doing a thousand dollars a month, you could save up the twenty-four thousand in two years, but that's without including your new apartment cost in here, correct? So the new apartment line item in my budget right now is just saving for, you know, like first month's rent and um deposit for a new place. I am trying to be realistic about how much rent is going to cost when I move into my new place. Um, I'm assuming it'll be around 800 for like rent, parking, and utilities. Okay. I'm hoping it'll be less. Okay. But I'm trying to be realistic. Okay, so that'll be another 600 <laughs> so, in your budget. So then, so until you move in, you can you. I'm just trying to think. So you can save this thousand dollars until you move in. Yeah. Okay. And you already have. 1500 devoted to it and then when are you moving into the new apartment uh july 2021 yeah that's what we're targeting right now because my friend's lease is up at the end of end of june beginning of july i think so we have march april may june so we have four more months that you can save 
And if you can get as close to 1,200, that's great. So that gets you another 4,800, plus you already have 1,500 saved. So that gets you to 6,300, right? And mm-hmm. then from July on, we'll just say you're able to save about 600. So that, hopefully you get some overtime hours in there. Because um, we'd have... Yeah, that was, I think, what I was saving last year when I was trying to build up my emergency fund. That was roughly what I was saving per Okay, month. so that we did six... That sounds about Does right. sound about right? Okay, so then we have 6,300 already, and then from July to July, we do another 600 a month. So that's another 7,200, because we also have to save for closing costs. Yeah. <laughs> 13. There's so, so much, much money. money. So that gets you to next summer, based on this budget, it gets you to 13,500, which is still a bit light on a 10% down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not opposed to like trying to find something at a lower price point. Can I propose um, another idea? Sure. <laughs> Did you know that Future Rich offers three online classes in partnership with SUNY Ulster? Well, you're in luck. We do. We have our Future Rich Signature course, our Student Loans course, and our brand new Social Security course. All of these classes can be found on our website at www.futurerichpodcast.com. Is, okay, so I have a couple ideas in my head because that gets you to the number. If you can continue to do the 1200 a month for the next, you know, basically March, April, May, June, July, and then another year out, that gets you 1200 a month, you know, at 17 months essentially, gets you the $20,000, 20000 400 would be saved, not including the 1500 you already have saved. So that gets you a 10% down on a $200,000 house and you're basically a, you know, a month or two out from having probably the closing costs saved. So a couple of ideas. One is I know that you get time and a half with overtime, so it's possible, right, that your income is a bit higher than in the budget. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. That to me seems like the best way to increase your savings is to work more hours at work. I don't know if they yep. cap your overtime to, to get you to that number. So if you, and then the other option, I don't know how you feel about this is if you stayed at your parents until next July, like didn't move in with your friends. Yes. That seems less engaging, I think. Um, well, I'm not, so like, I'm okay with it. Um, but I think me being home does mean that my parents end up spending more money as far as utilities go and like food and everything. Mm-hmm. Cause even though I budgeted for groceries, um, I'm still like, we don't separate out our groceries, you know, so I'm eating <laughs> their food. Yeah. Um, and the, the reason I want to move in with my friends is because living with my parents, I'm actually two hours away from where I'm trying to live right now. Oh, um, so you're pretty far. Yeah. And so it works well for right now. And I would be okay with doing it longer term, especially if COVID restrictions continue the way that they're going. Because are you working remote? I'm not. Um, but I'm working I'm working at the plant and it's about a half an hour from my parents' house. And if I moved to back to where I want to be in the city, um, it would be a pretty killer commute. Um, so I am trying How- to it would be about an hour and a half. Well, hour and 15 minutes, we'll say. Whoa. But. but That's a far commute. Yeah. Um, 
my plant manager actually does the same commute though right now. So he lives in the city that I want to be in and he that's how far he drives every day. I'm trying to build while I am here in person, you know, working on site, I am trying to build like processes so that it could be possible at a later date for me to work at least some days of the week remotely. Um, okay. I haven't really brought it up with him. It hasn't been discussed whether that's even really possible, but I think given what they're trying to, you know, create in my role, a lot of my time is going to be spent on like analysis and reports and like things that I don't necessarily need to be on site for. Got it. Okay. But it's just a matter of whether or not they're willing to do that. To do that. So here's what I'm thinking. I think that if you get the overtime, you could keep up the savings. I think the I think the key would be when you get about probably I think you're gonna need to get about twenty five thousand because then you have money for down payment, you have money for closing costs, and then you probably will have a, a little bit left over. Plus, you haven't touched your emergency fund, and you still have all your sinking funds, so future house, um, wedding money, all of that stuff. And and you can always wait. You can always wait where you are, you know, it's hard to tell where you'll be in, you know, a little over a year, year and a half, but you could always say, okay, the wedding didn't actually cost as much. I'm going to take some of that excess out and, you Mm -hmm. know, put that towards my uh, closing costs because the wedding was 1200 and I budgeted 1500, right. Or whatever it may be. you, you You have a really solid cash holding. I agree with you. I wouldn't deplete your emergency fund in order to purchase a house. I think that you're better off waiting six months you know, and going into it in a financially strong position. So you don't have that stress. Um, So I think it's just going to depend on where you are, you know, like what your overtime looks like and how much you're able to save. But I think probably a year and a half, maybe two years out. I I think you're better off waiting six more months and being in a better position. Because even then in two years, you're 20, what, you'll be 27? Yeah. Yeah. So it's still really great to be able to buy then yeah I kind of figured it was gonna be a couple years yet just for what I'm where I'm trying to live and what I want um and also I mean I have a good salary um but the job that I left I was actually making more so I did take a hit on my salary but I do get paid overtime now which I wasn't getting paid before so (laughs) yeah and and you never know like if you end up getting so many overtime because it's time and a half uh so many overtime hours a week your income might be different than what we're projecting. And you might be yeah. able to put 600, 800 away a month for the down payment. Yeah, I think I've been averaging, like since I started, I've been averaging like at least three overtime hours a week. Okay. So I am getting some, nothing crazy, but I am getting some overtime. Yeah, and then I think, because um, right now we have in your budget the private, uh, your federal loan. Um, yes. So are you still paying that towards just making an interest payment? No. You're not I've paying been, that, right? You're just I've saving been, it. Yep. I've just been putting it in the house down payment. Okay. I very rarely say this, but I would say since you're on the income-based repayment plan um, and you've already refinanced your federal student loans, which is your largest loan to a lower rate, which you're paying on, and then you have the interest-free, I agree with that. I would, I think since this is a big goal and I do think getting a house with roommates or tenants is going to really help you I would continue to kind of make that your priority and keep pushing towards that goal because I think if you can get into a house that generates income 
um, that would be fantastic. Yeah. I, I, when I first graduated school, I was really focused on the loans. Um, I paid off a car loan in less than a year after I graduated and, um, I was plugging away at the, the private loans for a while. And then, you know, I started realizing like, this probably doesn't really align super well with what I actually want to do. Like, I don't love having all the debt, but ultimately like I can afford to make the monthly payments and I have other things that I'm trying to, you know, work towards. So yeah, it's all they, about, it is it's all about balance. <laughs> yeah. Cause some people I tell them to like really tackle and get rid of the loans it's the house goal is one of your priorities and you're being really diligent about it. You've already saved up a lot of cash. You've already looked at everything. You're willing to make the sacrifice to have a tenant or have roommates in order to get in there. Um, It'll provide you hopefully in the future, an additional income stream, which gives you more financial security or can give you more financial security. So I would, I would do that. I would continue to focus on the house. I would try and get extra time hours and even if you pick up like a side hustle, like something you do on Saturday afternoons that brings in more money, the more you can save for it, the faster it'll happen. Right. Yeah. Side hustles are like a tricky one for me because I am like, I've been trying to figure out like what I could do that, that would work for me um, for a while now. And it, it's been, it's been interesting trying to like cycle through like what could possibly work. Um, when I was at my old job, it was just, I like mentally could not handle doing anything more than I was already doing at work. And just that sounded like I'm, terrible to be harassed at work. Yeah, so not like, ideal. No, um, that's awful. So it was just it was a really high stress environment already. Um, and I was working a lot of long hours. And then that on top of it just really compounded everything. And, um, you know, just in the past few months, like since I've been away from there, I'm finally starting to feel like, oh, like, is this what it feels like to just be like at a baseline where like you're fairly well rested and like can handle, Oh my gosh. you know, stressful. Yeah, you like I'm just, I'm just starting to feel like I'm back to kind of like a normal state. Um, so yeah, side hustles are something I'm interested in, but I haven't really found something, um, that work that I think would like work really well for me. I know there's a lot of options, but that's also kind of part of the problem is it's like, Oh, I don't know. There's too many different things to do. Yeah. And like, it's all about from like, from, for your standpoint, like it's all about how quickly you want to get in the house. Right. Cause there's nothing, right. I mean, you've saved a lot for retirement. You have good cash. You're on the income-based repayment program for the student loans. You refinance your private one. So you're doing everything right. So the only reason to do a side hustle would be because you want to buy a house at a specific time versus being more flexible with the timing on it to give you yourself more opportunity to save. Buying a house at 26 versus buying a house at 27 probably long-term isn't going to make a big difference because you're still working towards the goal. So if it happens 12 months after the time in your, on your, you know, budget sheet, that there's no issue with that. That's, that's not a problem. You'll be in a better financial situation. You could probably buy a house at 26 without a side hustle. You just would be putting less money down on the home. And stressing myself out. <laughs> yeah, so I, I would err on the side of just waiting till you're 27. It's just 12 more months. 12 more months will go by quickly. You'll have more money on hand. So I that's what that would be my, that's what I would uh, would do if I were in your shoes. I would just wait a little bit longer. Yeah. And then if you find a side hustle, you find a side hustle, you'll just have more cash. Aid. If you don't, you'll still be able to do this because you've done a good job saving. You're really diligent with your budget. So it's all just like a, a little bit of tweaks, you know, some tweaks here right. and there, whatever fits you better, but there's no right or wrong. Getting a side hustle and getting into a house at 26 is a personal preference. There, 
financially, I don't think it's going to make a big difference in your long-term financial future, whether you do it at 26 or you do it at 27. Right. I just think being financially sound when you do it is the key. Yeah. And that's my biggest concern is just, you know, making sure that I'm well prepared for it and that I have the resources and the flexibility because I would hate to sacrifice like the just like security that comes from having my emergency fund and being able to, you know, I already had to do it. Um, but that just reinforces why I need to have a good emergency funds. Like I had, I had the money available to say this situation is no longer serving me. I'm out. And it was so satisfying. Like it was an awful situation, but it was so satisfying to know that I was able to walk away and yeah, I took a pay cut kind of, but I'm, it's like so nice to know that I was able to do that. And that's the whole reason that I stress having an emergency fund. I mean, there's various reasons to have it, but one of them is so that if you're in a bad situation at work, you're not tethered to that situation because you financially can't afford to get out of it. Because that's a really terrible situation to be in, to be in a stressful or, you know, you know, being harassed at work. And then to then feel like you can't actually get yourself out of the situation because financially you need that income. So you now have to look for a job versus saying, this is unacceptable. I'm not putting myself through this. I'm going to quit because I have that financial control because I saved money to do that. Yeah. So good for you. Good job (laughs) on being able to get yourself out of that because you were financially prudent. That's impressive. So I would, if I were you, I would just maybe tweak the house and push it back one more year so that you're not you know, putting yourself under so much pressure and then you'll have enough money saved to be able to do it. And it'll give you time to do kind of more investigating in that area, right? Like check right. out what a two family looks like versus a duplex, try and figure out, you know, what you think, what living situation you think will work for you, whether you want separate yeah. utilities or not, th- those sort of things. Um, because yeah, 27, that would be a big accomplishment. Yeah. Even just like narrowing down neighborhoods is kind of daunting. Like I'm just not yes. even sure about that. So I, yeah, it it does. I do need to like kind of think more critically beyond just like, I want a house. Um, yeah. I mean, there's good resources. <laughs> yes, like, but... Yeah. There's a lot of resources and I would, we just had a guest on, we haven't, you know, we're recording now. We haven't aired anything yet, but we had a guest on, gosh, I can't remember her fake name. Um <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Uh, but she talked about uh, she bought a house in upstate New York, really far in upstate New York, like closer to mm. Canada. Um, and oh, okay. she found a, a local resource um, that helped first time home buyers. And she said she said it was a fantastic program. So I would look to see if there's any um, like nonprofit or government resources for first time home buyers in your area. And um, yeah, it really helped her be able to get into a house and make you know, they went over her finances with her because obviously this is like all very high level, but they sat down and like, I think probably went through her tax returns and told her what she was going to be able to qualify for. And always remember though, you only qualify you to buy more house than you probably oh. want. Uh, yeah, no, from I'm not falling for that. Responsibility. Yeah. Don't fall into that trap. But I would like <laughs> to see if there's any, any resources available for you. And I think a year and a half out really, cause like is a good time to start it and then probably be ready to buy, you know, a little over, two years from now because it is a process you have to like I think going to look at the homes too is important so you know you know what your non-negotiables are right yeah I think now is a good time for me to start thinking through some of this stuff just like you know 
in my head, like, what do I think my non-negotiables are? Because I think it'll probably yeah. be interesting to see how that changes when I start seeing things in person. But I think it's good to like have my baseline kind of figured out now just to get me a starting point. Yes. And I would definitely do your non-negotiables. And then I would also, cause, and, cause you're going to be looking at this from an investment. So when you're looking at it from an investment, you're wanting to look at um, wants versus needs, right? Like, mm-hmm what do you want versus what do you need for this to be a good investment property? And the wants don't have to happen. I think a lot of people get caught up in the wants. I even got caught up in the wants. And it's I easy to, to do know. though. If you're going to be living in a place, you think of it as being like yes. your personal, you know, your personal property. It's like, no, yes. this is an investment. Like that's not how this works. Yep. It, and it's hard. So just, I would keep the wants and the needs for, and then and tie in your non-negotiables there. But um, Daisy, we'll wrap this up for our listeners. It was great having you on. This is a really interesting one. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. I was really excited to talk to you. I've listened to, you know, all the seasons. So excited for the new one. Oh, yay. Yeah, I'm excited you're going to be part of season four. Um, And so for all of our lovely listeners, the best place to follow us is going to be on Instagram. You can find us at the Future Rich Podcast uh, for all of our up-to-date information. And you can check out our online classes. We specifically talked about home buying today, and there is a home buying section in our Future Rich class. They are partnered with SUNY Ulster and can be found at www.planancial.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.